Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am one of the editors here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. They say that the best weapon is the one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Nice. Thank you. Today Uh. we're going to talk about (laughs) rare earth metals (laughs) and why they're important in electronics. Yes. This is actually sort of a, a weird topic for us. It, it's sort of a science-y thing, but... And it's kind uh, of a stuff-you-should-know thing, too. Yeah, yep. Um, but it's certainly uh, certainly something that's uh, sort of a misnomer about rare earth metals. Yeah, yeah. It's um, That's one of the things you need to understand first. Right. Do you want to go into that, why it's a misnomer? Well, <laughs> it sounds like a joke. They're neither rare, nor are they an earth. Uh, all the and, and you know some people call them elements, but I think it's fr- fairly safe to call them metals. Yeah, um, a Swedish army lieutenant discovered the uh, these 
metals back in 1787 and gave them the the uh, the categorical name of rare earth metals because at that point they were very rarely seen. Uh, and it turns out it's not because there's very little of it on earth. It's just that they tend to be um, mixed in with lots of other stuff and you don't tend to find a whole bunch of it in a big quantity all in one spot. You find, tend to find little bits of it spread out over a huge area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you wonder where the earth part comes from, uh, I did too. Actually, I looked it up in, in Britannica, and apparently uh, this comes from uh, the Greeks, and they would define an earth as something that uh, you could heat up as much as they could heat something up with the technology they had available to them, and it wouldn't change significantly. Um, and it's not, I mean, technically, once you've, <laughs> with the with the technology we have available to us, when you run into these oxides uh, with these rare earth elements in them, you can, in fact, break them down into uh, individual elements. Right. Um, so they're technically not an Earth as described by that, but, you know, maybe maybe to the Greeks they would have been. I'm sure. Uh, of that time. And let me give you uh, a short list of some of the rare Earth metals. There are technically 17 of them. Yes, they are. Uh, there's a gallium, indium, selenium, tellurium, silicon, zinc, vanadium, lithium, platinum, neo- neodymium. <laughs> Actually, some of these technically don't fall into the rare earth uh, metals either, like platinum, but uh, they, they're they rare and they're used in electronics, so they often get lumped together with them. Cobalt, manganese, cerium, europium, dysporium, <laughs> terbium. Scandium. No, oh, scandium. I didn't have that one. Scandium and yttrium. I wonder if you pronounce the I or if it's like pronounced like an I. Uh, I've never heard anyone say it. Uh, and the lanthanoids, which is the uh, which are the the elements with atomic numbers fifty seven through seventy one. Those are those are technically the rare earth metals. Yeah, these tend to be heavy elements. Um, the and they're used for different things. I mean, a, a lot of these are used in order to make magnets. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, you were about to. It looks like you were about to continue. Well, well we're just going to add another tiny historical tidbit. Oh, please. And do. I think I think it's kind of interesting. Pre- people pretty much ignored them. Up until about mid last century, yeah. I mean, they really weren't they they weren't particularly useful for anything, and it was People really hard hadn't... to get enough of them to do anything right. with them in the first place. Right, but they do make, as Jonathan pointed out, very good permanent magnets. Yeah, that's an important element in lots of electronics. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't. That's going to happen that way. It's going to happen all the time. Yeah. So anyway, like um, like let's say your earbuds for uh, mm-hmm. an MP3 player. Yes. Uh, part of a speaker is a tiny little magnet, actually for. Not necessarily tiny, but with earbuds, they're definitely tiny. Yes. So you have to have a permanent magnet as part of the speaker system in these earbuds. Well, obviously, you want a permanent magnet that's going to be powerful yet light. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have you know this incredibly heavy uh, device. I mean, it's stuck inside your ear. It, it's not. Um, it's not really comfortable. Let's say. Right. Uh, so you want to have some sort of material that's light and yet is uh, able to have a permanent magnetic charge. And a lot of these metals fall into that category. And, in fact, that's what a lot of them are used for. And uh, But not just speakers. I mean, that's just one example. That That's correct. I was going to add that um, uh, I guess what started this whole thing for me was uh, an article on CNET by Martin LaMonica. Yes. Um and of course, we, you know, I think each of us delved into it uh, quite substantially more to find out more. But he he wrote a, an 
really interesting piece about it. Uh, we'll, we can get into why more in a, in a few minutes and when we get into more of the application. But one of the benefits of using these metals is that their, their strength to weight ratio is so, is so, uh, useful. Yeah. Um, they're very strong for their weight. And that's why, as, as Jonathan pointed out, uh, they do make, uh, excellent applications for things like that in portable electronics. They're in lots and lots of different kinds of portable electronics. Um, for different things, which we'll get into in a minute here, but um, uh, yeah, that's that's just one of those those reasons why they're so useful. Right. Yeah. You, you, the weight issue is is a is non trivial. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, you know, you hear about people talking about like the iPad. Mm-hmm. You know, the iPad weighs a little over a pound, and people will talk about how after a little while it feels like it's a, it's getting heavy in your hands. Yes. Um, I mean, without the these particular metals to Help uh, design, or well, to help in the design of electronics, um, they would be even heavier. Mm-hmm. It would not, in fact, it probably would not be compact. We we would have much larger electronics, uh, and they would be less efficient. They'd be heavier. Um, it just would not be. It wouldn't be the same world that we live in today if we didn't. If we had not discovered the applications of these rare earth metals, mm-hmm. um, and some of the other applications involve things like displays and. Uh, Various other electronic components. The europium in particular was used to produce color displays. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one that's fairly rare. Uh, some of these rare earth metals are legitimately rare in the mm-hmm. sense that we just, we haven't found big deposits of them. Now granted, most electronics only use a couple of grams of this stuff at, at most for a particular device. Yeah, there's which, a, there's a notable exception, but we'll get to that in a second. Well, yeah, that that's one of the, uh, the things too about the um, using these devices. You they wouldn't necessarily need to be plentiful, um, except for the, obviously the cost. Yeah. Um, in order to spread them around to the electronics, because they are are uh, so light and useful at their size. Um, but uh, yeah, that that uh, talking about the using them in displays. Uh, that's the first application I'd seen about the mid 20th century when they started making color television mm-hmm, sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used some of these materials to make, I believe I read the color red, uh, helped, helped make the red phosphor gotcha. in, uh, in the TV, uh, screens. So that's, uh, that was one of the earliest, I think, widespread uses of the rare earth metals. Yeah. Today you, you're going to find it also in a lot of, um, green technology, mm-hmm. stuff like solar panels, wind generators, Fuel cells, um, these all have some rare earth metals uh, in them. And actually, that's where it's funny, because these are supposed to be answers to things like the oil crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny, because they ha- we're starting to hit a rare earth metal crisis. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, one of the reasons for that is the, uh, the uh, direct drive turbines uh, and green technology for wind power... Uh, they use an awful lot of some of these uh, devices, and um, I, I note now that some of my notes got cut off when I came in here. So uh, the the number I had written down to use for this particular argument is now lost to me. What well, was a, you happen to have it? Neodymium was the was the actual particular metal uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. that uh, because what's happening is let's 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 talk about where these metals are currently coming from. Okay. They're almost all coming from China. 
Yes, uh, LaMonica said about 95% yeah, the, of the world's rare earth metals are coming from China right now. The figure I saw was between 95 and 97%. So mm-hmm. the vast majority of these metals are all coming out of China. And China doesn't just export these. China uses these metals in various uh, electronics and, and applications as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the world's uh, fastest growing economies, if not the fastest growing economy. And, of course, uh, you know, the popularity of electronics, um, you know, in that country. Plus, they've, the government has been uh, really pushing green technology, uh, so yeah. with the applications in electronics and green technology, uh, they've wanted to keep a lot of their uh, rare earth metals to themselves to use in that in those applications. The problem being that they've uh, they're plentiful in China and they've driven down the cost of mining them. So it's been sort of economically counterproductive for other countries to do that. They just import it from China. Yeah, that's a good point. Um you might say, well, why why is it all coming from China? Does that just mean that all the metals are in China? No, uh, I mean China's an enormous country, so that's that's You'd part guess of that it. There'd be some, <laughs> yeah. But the other element of that is, as you oh, it see, it, it just happens. It's like a drinking game. Every time you hear me say element, have a sip of fruit juice. Yes, so China's a big country. There are a lot of rare earth metals there, but there are a lot of rare earth metals across the entire globe because China has driven the cost of mining down so much, it made more sense to just go ahead and purchase the metals from China than it did to invest in mining operations uh, in other parts of the world. In fact, the United States had a rare earth metal mine. Yes, it did. And it Which, shut down in 2002. Yes, I believe it's in Colorado. Uh, that I can't tell you because I don't know for certain. Um, it is. Too, it definitely did shut down. No, wait. The, oh, one, yes. the one that shut down in 2002 that I was reading was a complex in Mountain Pass, California. California, that's right. The uh, the Colorado Connection was the um, executive director of the Rare Earth Industry and Technology Association, uh, Keith Delaney, who LaMonica quoted, and he uh, is based in Colorado. But, um, right. yeah, that, that mine had shut down in, in 2002, but they're bringing it back. Yes, because here's the deal. Is, as Chris was saying earlier about the, uh, the wind generation mm-hmm. um, uh, turbines, China's building a big green windmill type of uh, network within the borders of China. Right. Mm -hmm. And because it requires a lot of this, or maybe not even a lot, but it requires more neodymium Mm -hmm. than China actually produces. Okay. So that's why China's saying, you know what? We're not going to export this anymore because we need it. Mm -hmm. In fact, we need more than what we produce in order to fulfill this project that we have planned. So um, you're not going to get any. And so that's when the rest of the world said, ooh, you know what? Depending upon one supplier for this one really uh, particular material is maybe not the best idea because that one supplier can get cut off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, The same thing actually happened, actually a similar thing happened with Japan. Uh, And this may or may not be politically um, motivated, mm-hmm. right? Japan, uh, China actually shut down export exportation of rare earth metals to Japan, and uh, that might have been because of a, a diplomatic dispute. China says no, that's not the reason, right? But the rest of the world kind of says, yeah, that's kind of the reason, um, and so that raised a lot of fears in the rest of the world, saying, well, if China can do that, if they're just going to shut down exporting out these materials that we depend on in order to make the various electronic devices that are coming out today, 
where does that leave us? Because mm-hmm. we're not getting it from anywhere else. Um, right now, what that means is that it would leave us uh, in panic mode. We wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily run out of the metals immediately. Right. Because, as I said, in most applications, we're only using a tiny amount of these mm-hmm. metals. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a gram for a particular electronic device, with the big exception being uh, hybrid and electric vehicles. Yes. Because supposedly a Prius uses around 30 pounds of the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot compared to, you know, a, an iPod or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, from from what I can tell, uh, apparently, according to uh, to Delaney, that is one of the problems, even when the uh, the mine out in California comes back online in, they said, 2012, yeah. sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, there's also one in Australia. Yep. Even with those new efforts, um, it is unlikely that the producers of rare earth metals can keep up with the world's demand for them. So I would imagine that the cost will remain high until they're... Uh, there is a way to produce them efficiently. Thankfully, uh, China has said, you know, no, no, we're not going to shut down all exports of rare earth metals completely to the world. You know, I, I would imagine not that they can still make quite a bit of money on the world market with that. But, uh, you know, the, the brouhaha that erupted for about, I'd say, maybe a couple days uh, sort of has subsided now that they've, the, the government has said, you know, no, 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 don't read, you know, that's not what we're doing. You know, we will continue to export these things, but it has caused people to go, "Hey, you know, we really need to step this up." Yeah, maybe we need to actually invest in this technology. So, this could mean one of many things. For one thing, China now that it, I mean, essentially has the world over a a pit right now. China <laughs> could say, uh, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna increase the cost of these because there right. is a real value to this material, sure. and the and the value is greater than what we're charging." Mm-hmm. And um, and until that until that price exceeds what it would be to do the mining here in the United States or other parts of the world, it would still make more sense to buy to to pay up. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So the price would keep going up, and we would keep paying because we'd say, well, the alternative is to mine it ourselves, and it's still not cheaper to mine it ourselves than it would be to pay pay extra money to China. Um, I'm sorry, you were about to say? Well, no, I was I was going to get into something else that we had planned on talking about, which mm-hmm. was the reason uh, that this is sort of a sensitive issue, too, is that it's not easy to get pure uh, forms of the rare earth elements um, simply because they are most often found as oxides. Yeah. So, and they're mixed in with other things. Right. They can be mixed in with uh, thorium and, uh, I believe, uranium. uranium. Yep. So it's uh you know it's something that's difficult to do and it's not a, a cheap process where you just go out and get a shovel and a wheelbarrow and start digging it up. See that's one of the the things also that China has an advantage over the rest of the world. It appears that most of the rare earth metal deposits in China mm-hmm. are not accompanied by radioactive uranium or or um, thorium. Yes. So they don't have to worry about radiation very much. That's not the mm-hmm. way it is with through most of the world, which means that if we start mining these rare earth metals, we have to take into consideration the fact that there is radioactive material there as well. Yes. So that raises safety concerns. You have to figure out how you're going to store and or dispose of that radioactive material. How do you separate the um, the rare earth metals in a uh, reasonably safe way that's not going to drive the cost up so much that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ultimately what this can mean to you as a consumer is that the electronics that you purchase today 
could end up being way more expensive down the road mm-hmm. uh, once we start hitting these these limits with the the these metals. Uh, and in China, the way that they mine these rare earth metals can be really destructive to the environment as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what typically what they'll do is they'll cut down uh, the vegetation in an area and they'll raise up the topsoil and they use acids to leach out the rare earth metals. Okay. Uh, and those acids can run off into uh, the nearby water table and that can kill off um, plants and it can affect animals. Um, it's it can it can taint water supplies. There's also some allegations that some of these rare earth metal mines in China for some of the particularly rare metals uh, that they're actually um, somewhat overseen by a criminal element. Mm-hmm. Chinese gangs essentially yeah. are are running these um, some of these rare earth metal mines. So that's another issue is that when we start purchasing these these electronic devices over here, technically we're kind of funding a criminal organization overseas. Well, I would imagine too that it's not. It's probably like most industries where there is a group and then you know some of the others are not yeah, affiliated and, with those. And the and, problem is that. The problem is that manufacturers over here can't necessarily tell where their rare earth metals. Like it's, yeah. it's not like you can go to the rare earth metal market and get the hey, look, this is free range thorium over here. <laughs> not thorium, thorium, obviously, but yeah, it's, 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 I don't need to worry about the fact that this metal came from this mine because this mine's a legitimate mine. Yeah. There's no criminal element here. There's no way to tell. Right, so it's I'm not I'm not placing blame on the manufacturers necessarily because they have to get the stuff from somewhere. Um, I'm just saying that it's a bad system overall because there's no way to know for sure whether or not uh, you're enabling this criminal element. Sort of like so uh, to speak. Oh man, how many times am I going to use that word? And you're, <laughs> the sad thing is, I think you're actually catching it by no doing it accidentally and then catching it yeah uh, i did find i it, as it turns out i didn't uh, accidentally delete my notes oh wow um yeah the volume the volume i was stunned to see was a uh, uh, keith delaney again speaking of the uh the direct drive wind turbines used mm-hmm. in wind power um because each megawatt of electricity generated requires half a ton of permanent magnets wow that's a, that's a see that's all that's a whole lot of um that's a whole lot of uh, These rare earth metals, metals. and yeah. the thing is, um, too, that you know, talking about the electronics, the cost of your electronics going up, the cost of the electricity, depending on where you live and what's being used to generate it, uh, cost of electricity to power those electronics could also go up. Yeah. So I mean, so it's it's something that matters to us, but we don't normally think about it. And going back to the green element for mm-hmm. just a second, sure, it also means that going green could end up becoming much more expensive. Depending on mm-hmm. whether or not China, uh, you know, allows exports of these rare earth metals or the green technology, um, if we do start opening up more mines across the world, it'll all depend upon how efficient those mining processes are. Uh, otherwise, again, we could see that this green technology, the price of green technology, may rise exponentially. So then you're getting to a point where you're saying, all right, does is it economically feasible to switch? from a petroleum-based economy or petroleum-based fuel source to renewable energy? Does it make sense financially? And the scary thing is, is if this these prices go up high enough, the answer to that is going to be no, it doesn't make sense financially until it gets so bad with the the you know, the oil situation 
that it almost becomes like a panic to try mm-hmm. and fund green technology right. so that you can you know close that gap and um one of the the objections some people have to using oil as an energy source mm-hmm. is that it means that we're dependent upon foreign countries for to in order to get our fuel right right and that we're essentially funding some of these countries that have anti-American sentiments. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're giving money to people who don't like us very much is right. what that kind of boils down to. Same sort of problem happens here. If, if China's the only supplier and we are have to play by China's game, then we are giving money to a foreign power and we're dependent upon that foreign power for our energy needs. It's no better than the oil as far as that part of the equation is concerned. Now, granted, there's the whole other part of it. You know, you're not generating pollution by using this kind of power and that that's a totally different argument that uh that you know you can still say well green technology is superior but from a from a dependence on foreign nation perspective it's the same yeah and of course uh we're speaking from a a point of view from the united states and many of our listeners come from other countries but in many cases there, uh, a, a lot of them are importing a lot of their rare earth metals from China well, yeah. and other countries too. Yeah. It's not something that, like in, in the case of Japan. Apparently, there are not many. You, it's they really are very rare in Japan itself, and they do rely on imports there more than they would in other countries like we do. Um, apparently, India does have a uh, a reasonably good supply, and they are mm-hmm. are ma- mining them themselves as well. But um, I don't know about a lot of the other countries around the world. So yeah, I mean, it's there's a security situation there too for whatever countries that may need this for, you know, def- I'm sure a lot of defense electronics oh, yeah. rely on, on these metals. There was actually a things. report recently uh, in the United States government from the Department of Defense saying that um, they were not worried about this current situation and that they did not see it impacting the national security. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they could have said anything else without generating a panic. <laughs> so I'm not saying that they are uh, being optimistic or they're painting it a certain way. I'm just saying that um, I'd really hope for a resolution of this problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh... You know, I, I think it's interesting that uh, these metals, which really have been, you know, they've known about for a very long time, uh, you know, have just sort of come into provi- uh, prominence in the last hundred years or so, and uh, now they are part of, you know, one of the, you know some of the more uh, important substances. Yeah, um, we've really just, become dependent funny. upon them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To think, to think that you know, three hundred years ago, we had no idea what they are, and now we depend very heavily upon them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I guess the only hope I have otherwise is that the whole carbon nanotube thing works out to the point where we find out carbon nanotubes are superior for all of these different applications. I know that I know carbon nanotube strength to weight ratio is insane depending on how you align the, uh, the, the graphite uh, sheets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's another fascinating topic that maybe we could talk about, although that may be another, that's again another science. Yeah, carbon type. nanotubes. Yeah. Yes. Also, it makes me want to quote Mork, you know, nano, nano. Oh, oh, I almost saw that one coming. It was just about to hit me before it really did. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think that, that wraps up this discussion because I, was, I don't I don't think I can talk anymore. I was relying on the element of surprise. Oh, uh, drink. 
So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode on Rare Earth Metals. We will talk to you again soon. If you have any suggestions for topics or comments or questions, you can contact us on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is TechStuffHSW. Or you can shoot us an email. That email address is TechStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. The HowStuffWorks.com iPhone app is coming soon. Get access to our content in a new way. Articles, videos, and more, all on the go. Check out the latest podcasts and blog posts, and see what we're saying on Facebook and Twitter. Coming soon to iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.